Hey friends, it's Llewellyn again, and welcome back to the Woman Friends Podcast. So as we promised last week, we have a lot more content with Two Star. So we're not going to waste your time this morning, and we are just going to dive right in to our part two of the Ross and Rachel We Were on a Break scenario with Two Star Podcast. So what was in the picnic that Ross brought to Rachel's office? Well, he mentioned couscous. Um, uh, and I was wondering, do you, do you guys eat couscous? Is that is yeah, that a thing yeah. that you guys but eat a lot of? Couscous. Oh, fancy. Yeah. Llewellyn, like do you eat couscous? Good, yeah. Couscous? <laughs> I mean, not on like a regular, regular basis. basis. But... <laughs> <laughs> I've had it once or twice. I feel like it That's reminds me a lot of like tabbouleh and that like genre of food. Yeah, it kind of yeah. fits in the same family, doesn't it? Along with uh, hummus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like sort of in the med- Mediterranean mm, style. Yeah. So if you go to any middle class English barbecue, there will always be hummus and couscous. And the couscous oh, will wow. sometimes have little bits of like chopped pepper in it. Very nice. Oh, that sounds delicious. What's, uh, what's your yeah. view on giant couscous? Uh, unacceptable. I think it's, it's just weird. It just freaks me out. I think regular size couscous is acceptable. It's yeah. fine, but when you make it giant, um, it makes it m- too much of a chore. Yeah. Mm. There's no need. It's 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 verging on. It's become something else by that point, hasn't it? Is, Do you know what giant couscous uh, is? I mean, the, the clue's in the name. It's just like really, I'm, really big lumps of whatever. Yeah, I'm looking at, I'm looking at pictures just to try and get like a image of like how giant is giant. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wouldn't it be amazing if giant couscous like the was the size of an apple? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, because I think of, I typically think of couscous as in like quinoa, where it's like kind of really tied. Tiny beadlets. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. So the larger the ones. That's, yeah. It's like when you have um, macaroni, but big like penne, and you think, no, macaroni is small and glued to mm. pictures by children. Don't don't confuse me by making it the size of a penne. Yeah. Interesting. It all tastes the same though, right? <laughs> yeah. No. No. It doesn't. No, because it is <laughs> because when you make it bigger, it, it can't um, it can't hold on to the same kind of flavors, and then the and the texture is different. Hmm. Have you ever made your own couscous? How would you I even say, do that? I say, well, I say made your own. They sort of sell it dehydrated, and you just put boiling water in it. Yeah, all the time. <laughs> yeah. Well, then, yeah, you have. You've made your own yeah. couscous. No, I haven't. I've put, <laughs> put boiling water on it and waited. It's yeah, not making it. Of course it is. That's the same as saying that I make my own macaroni every time I pour hot water in oh, well, good, good the hardened you. macaroni. <laughs> that you, is you, not the that, same. That's cooking macaroni. <laughs> that doesn't mean I made my own pasta. <laughs> my children will um, They have... Uh, 
like chocolate croissants for breakfast and they go in the microwave for 10 seconds just to warm them slightly and melt the chocolate and they insist that that is cooking oh they, say that they, they have to cook their breakfast <laughs> uh, it's good that way though them? yeah but yeah that you cook you cook your couscous with your boiling <laughs> water and then you uh, then you can put a squeeze of lemon in it and uh but i bet ross didn't i bet he just bought some from uh, the Middle Eastern section of the supermarket. Yeah, it looked like its own little container. It looks like he also had like a French, like a baguette in there. Um, and he was like, he brought an electric pepper grinder, which... And that is insane. I, I honestly looked at that and I was like, oh, I didn't even know we had electric like handheld small pepper grinders because I never use one. And it's not like I've ever looked for them in a store. It makes sense that I guess we would, but it's just, it's really extra, which is exactly what they needed to make this scene kind of boil Rachel over the top because she, she told him not to come. Hmm. She's like, I'm way too busy. I'm so sorry, but like, we can't make this happen tonight. And he's just so, focused i think on one the fact that he hasn't been seeing her a lot because of her work two it's an like it's an anniversary it's exactly it's pretty much one year since i've they've been together and i think it's just also ross being ross that he has to come and like grab some like sense of control out of the situation and thinks that he's just going to kind of disappear into the background while also having you know time with his girlfriend which as we see clearly doesn't work out i mean the the flowers go up in flames again with the electric pepper grinder she's trying she's on the phone with you know the warehouse and the the people that she ordered from and and trying to like get all this stuff settled and she eventually just gets so frustrated because she's like you're just not even listening to me and he tries the classic pulling in somebody else into the conversation to try and justify his own way of acting. But she kind of shuts it down really quickly as like, no, I, I, I told you, like, it doesn't matter what my coworker says about the situation. Like, you're not listening to me. So they have like this big blowout at her work, um, which starts... You know, it's really kind of like the the tipping point, I think, for for Rachel. Um, and that obviously really quickly goes into back at the apartment. You know, later on, we skip a couple scenes, but Ross is sort of waiting for Rachel to get home. He did kind of exactly what he told her to do. And she's got a pile of paperwork in her hands. She starts to address you know, okay, so about what happened earlier. And he automatically goes into this monologue of, I understand you were really stressed out. And she is like exasperated at this moment. She drops all of her stuff on the ground and is like, I'm going to give you, I was going to give you a chance to apologize to me. And this is where they, they get into the first part, I guess like the first argument that they have over this three, you know, episode section. 
Um, what are, I guess like there's, there's kind of a lot going on here at the same time that it seems like this all seems really cut and paste of like Ross is in the wrong, but mm. I almost can't tell if Rachel's over exaggerating. Like, is there any, I mean, in, in, an, in any argument, it's probably healthy to try and see both sides. But, like, I feel like Ross is just wrong. Would you guys agree or disagree? I think Llewellyn would say the same. Right, Llewellyn? Well, I would, I think, yeah, generally the same. Um, but I think Ross is definitely wrong. But in this situation, I feel like Rachel is also just not in the right headspace to really have this conversation. Mm. But we all know Ross is, he's not going to wait when he he wants to have like the final answer and like the final word. So he's going to keep pushing no matter how hard it's going to be for Rachel. So I think while Ross is wrong, I also think Rachel, you know, she would have taken the time and just been like, Ross, I'm not talking about this now. And really insisted that he just go home at that moment. It may have turned out totally different, but it's TV. So <laughs> I think the whole argument is kind of their relationship in a microcosm and mm-hmm. Frankly, I'm amazed they made it to a year. <laughs> because Accurate. there's like from day one, there's been this status imbalance, hasn't there? That he has been in love with her since he was like teenager, mm-hmm. and she wasn't interested, and then was, and that's that's the whole thing is that he wants to. He's so terribly insecure that he can't possibly not have this this one year anniversary picnic with her. Mm-hmm. And she is so disinterested in his feelings that she didn't even let him know that she'd be working late. And I think they both deserve everything they get. But I think she was working late unexpectedly. She wasn't well, planning to but work then she late, could have she? she could have paged him, couldn't she? <laughs> She'd been through this. Did yeah. she leave a message somewhere? She yeah, did she, with but it Monica. just said what's up. <laughs> 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 didn't really explain the situation very well. So yeah. I think I think Ross's idea of taking a picnic to her is it's a really nice idea mm-hmm. that somebody is busy and they don't have time and okay, well, I'll do this and it's not taking you as much time. I think I think that that the idea is a nice idea and could be viewed as quite a romantic gesture. I think the execution is appalling and um, not to realise, oh, you're busy, I'll go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think the, the lack of awareness, think, oh, no, this isn't a good time, I'll just leave this here and I'll see you later. So there's, a, there's a, an expression that I think about quite a lot, which is... Um, we judge ourselves based on our intentions and mm-hmm. other people based on their actions. Yeah. And I think Ross's intention was to do something romantic and that didn't, that didn't work out. The execution was awful, mm-hmm. but I think his, I think his idea was not an awful one. Yeah. I, I, I agree. I think it's really cute 
It's a really cute idea. I mean, I've had that and not even by a guy, but like I've had someone where I was like in the crunch time of getting like executing an event and I didn't even have time to get my own lunch. I mean, I was like just crunching through everything and someone took their own time to like go out, get me lunch and at least get it to me so that when I could find like a couple spare minutes, I could like shove my face and keep going. And that's a really sweet, it's just really sweet when someone does that for you, but you're right. It just kind of not a fire on your desk. Yes. And it's, and it's interfering. It would have been fine if he would have actually been quiet, but then he sets fire to the flowers. He's electric pepper grinding for her meal. Like he gets there and says, I'm going to be quiet and disappear into the background. And she's sort of like, tries to start working again and then all of a sudden he's just as loud and obnoxious and i think it would have been fine like rachel probably would have been initially upset but if he wasn't actually making himself known <laughs> there it could have been a really sweet gesture like gesture and gone off really well mm. but I, but i think it was just sort of clumsy just like ross is um yeah. so when they have the argument he's he's mm -hmm. judging himself based on what he was hoping to do which right. was a nice a nice gesture mm -hmm. and he's not seen that actually the actions were really not helpful right yeah that's so true but i mean i think that that links into the to the other stuff of him, him not respecting that her job is important to her yeah and and, and that's that's something that, that's been building in the episodes before right yeah it's he was been comfortable when she was a waitress but he was uncomfortable with her having any level of success or agency yeah. because he's awful yeah <laughs> yeah well and there's no what there's really no emergency that can happen being a server that would cause you to interrupt the normal flow of that type of relationship anyways. I mean, mm. Ross having the only, I guess, stereotypical like nine to five type of role, like the only time that he's had an emergency was early on in the relationship, which is when they started dating and he ended up like bringing her to the museum with him because they were putting together the sets, you know, all wrong and it's like, but that is not the norm. Whereas I think in this relationship and in her new job, it's sort of been the norm since the start of the role. Um, and Ross isn't used to having to navigate what that looks like for almost a, you know, for almost a, a year or for under, just under a year. And he also, we find out, is not quite over the idea that Mark is somehow in the picture because he bring, he like stupidly brings that up in the midst and the heat of the argument. Like, this is about Mark, isn't it? And she's like, oh my God, I cannot keep having the same conversation. And he like obviously quickly realizes his mistake. And it's more of like a funny... I think they added in as like, this is a really funny like thing to add in. Cause what's the worst thing that you want to hear in the heat of an argument? Oh, you're bringing up either an ex or, you know, in this case, you know, Mark who was never actually anything with Rachel, but Ross's perception 
of their closeness and working together always brought out his own insecurities. Um, yeah, so they decide to, she's like, I think we should take a break. Yeah, let's take a break with frozen yogurt. Let's just cool off for a little bit. And she's like, no, from us. And that sort of like sets us up for the storyline of him and the girl at the bar. I think what's so interesting is that the way they introduce her is more from the Joey and Chandler perspective, but she ends up being like low key obsessed with Ross. Like as soon as he showed up in the bar, she's like, Oh my gosh, the dinosaur guy. And she's like all over him from, from the beginning, which I thought was just a weird way to introduce her into this storyline, but it's really proximity. The only one that makes sense that would make it so awkward because, you know, they had her have so many connections to the guys themselves. I just thought she was sort of like a left field character. I think it makes more sense for her to be introduced that way than it just being a random, a random person. As if it had just been that he just hooked up with somebody in the bar. Mm -hmm. I think you would have assumed that he was doing the chasing. Mm. So I guess it makes sense. But I mean, Joey and Chandler must've been there really you wouldn't ever want to lose out on a girl to Ross, would you? That would be embarrassing. It it probably would, but they at the when they show her in the bar with them and she's talking about different copiers, yeah. I think there's based on their response, I think they're sort of like realizing how uninteresting and like mm. eccentric she actually is for them specifically. Which I guess in a way makes her perfect for Ross, doesn't it? It kind of does. <laughs> it kind of does. Because what I think Chandler says, and that's the only color that comes in, as if like, mm. this is all we've heard from this girl all night, is about like mm. her job and copying paper. But yeah, so we find out that... A thing that I wonder is, mm -hmm. is it really that hard to... Um... To make an image four hundred percent bigger, <laughs> like I wouldn't think four hundred percent would was, be absurd. Well, I know it's twenty-five years ago, but he goes into the shop and he says, "Hello, I like I'd like this picture of a dinosaur to be four hundred percent the original size," mm -hmm. and they say that's just not possible with the technology we have in nineteen ninety-four. Or five mm -hmm. and you think well what it's not it, that that doesn't sound hard at all well in but that defense, became you don't know that... how big the picture you don't know how big the original was maybe he came in with a picture that was like four feet wide to start with and they yeah. said no they don't make paper that big that well maybe yeah I mean, how big how big the like is there any evidence of, of how big the original was? Well, we don't no. know because it's only an anecdote, isn't it? But that's that's the thing is I I I, I even don't think it's actually that difficult. You say the maximum size that this printer holds is A three. 
So if you want an image that big, we're going to have to do it over four sheets and then take them together. together. Do you think... And he will then, say, that is acceptable. You wouldn't say this then, is impossible. You've got to find a way. Let's ross it. So then are you saying that it wasn't a technical limitation, it was a policy limitation, and maybe she had to get on the phone to head office? <laughs> um, <laughs> or she was I, having I to like find was... out the secret Xerox codes that would make the machine do this or something? I think it was not a technical limitation. I think it was a lack of imagination. <laughs> lack of ambition. Lack of ambition and imagination. Yeah. yeah. She just had to dream bigger. In which, which, case... which does tie into her character of being being yeah. very, very kind of by the book in terms mm. of a photocopying. But processes. then Ross, her dream man, coming in and helping her break free of that, that <laughs> rigid structure. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> I... Even to to blow up an image by four hundred, even you'd have to have the right machinery to be able to print it on the right paper to make it that large. Like I'm imagining, the only reason Ross would need something blown up by four hundred percent is like a display thing for the museum. Like it's a big banner, or it's some sort of. Um, window covering, you know, something that they can put inside the windows to face outward or something. It seems something like job related, but if you don't no, have I think the... this was this was spare time dinosaur. Just um, <laughs> just decorating his apartment. Just thinking just thinking that I really love mm. dinosaurs. Mm. I'd really love I'd really love an an a really big picture. <laughs> or, or he'd already got his picture of the dinosaur, and he's thinking, "I like that, but I'd like it more if I it was it four times as big as four this. times as big." This just isn't saying dinosaur loudly enough to me. <laughs> mm. And the thing is, is that that I don't think it was a specialist printing job because she says that that they were able to do it in that um, Xerox shop. Yeah, I guess you're right. So all they had was like a, a bog standard photocopier. But then she said that every time somebody comes in and asks for that now, they called it doing a Ross. So how many people had she had to turn away before, before? He, before he put <laughs> his foot down and insisted? <laughs> yeah, that's true. This, this must be something that comes up. There must be a lot of people. Yeah, you're right. There must be a lot of people saying, I'd like this, this, this uh, 400% of the original size, please. And any one of those people could have had sex with her if they'd only known that they just had to be a bit they more They had assertive. to be the first person. They had to be the yeah. first person to want an image mm. that much bigger well, no, to convince that, her that to wasn't turned away. Yes, yeah, yeah. And that's do you think that's what happened with heart. Giant Couscous? <laughs> what was somebody photocopied it? I want this 400% bigger. <laughs> mm. I mean, I, that's the only plausible explanation I've ever heard. So, yeah, it must be. Yeah. I mean, I, I think... Um, I think it's really quite implausible that that she would want to have sex with Ross 
But I think it's quite implausible that anyone would want to have sex with Ross. <laughs> but it does. It does. The 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 background really helps that he he that did, he asked real. for he asked for <laughs> photocopying. Yeah, yeah. That she he he's tapped into her passion. So yeah, mm. I guess that that does make sense. Do you guys? I guess I'm just thinking with the way that they portray her when the guys are you know gawking at her in the store. They portray her this one way. She's like this cool hipstery underground, like we're going to go to his show. They, I feel like the portrayal of uh, the portrayal of her in the first portion of this episode is a big difference between all of a sudden when the guys are at the bar with her and she's talking about different copying machines and, Getting really well, excited about Ross. I don't know. It was kind of weird. Well, yeah, because there's is... the int- the start of it is that they she is maybe interested in having a threesome with uh, Chandler and Joey. Right. I think she said well, maybe it's them. as a joke. Yeah. But it did bring up the uh, the really fun discussion between Joey and Chandler <laughs> about how how that would work in practice. Hmm. And uh, it's not a conversation that you and I have ever had, is it, Chris? Uh, I don't think we need to have that conversation. I think <laughs> no, just because like, I think just a, if that just, situation we, ever arose, we, I would say no, thank you. Well, yeah, we both, we both, we both would know. just politely decline. Uh, yeah, yeah, but um, I think maybe the reason for her personality to be so different in the bar. Is your friend of mine cocaine? <laughs> I, think I think that's the only explanation. I think she was coked up, and that's why she was talking so much about uh, photocopying because people mm. who've had cocaine become really very boring and talk a lot about uninteresting <laughs> things. Which is why I think it's good that I've never had cocaine because I would become insufferable. <laughs> I'm, I'm bad enough as it is when I'm drunk. But then uh, that that maybe shows her enthusiasm for Ross. Yeah, yeah, that's She's in true. Altered mental state. Yeah, and I it's obviously like it's the storyline, so they had to find some way also to push her away from the guys pursuing her mm. and trying to be you know, friendly and dance and, and drink and have fun to like push her over into like the Ross quadrant so that the rest of the storyline could obviously flush out the way that it did. So it makes sense to, I think, write her that way, but it was just interesting that it portrays as one way at the beginning. And all of a sudden it's like, wait, this girl is different now that all of a sudden Ross is in the room and, yeah, yeah, they've they've explored her personality and realized that actually she's not interesting to them after all. Mm-hmm. Because they are so superficial. Now, Llewellyn and I talked about this um, when we were talking about kind of the some of the other storylines for these couple of episodes. And neither of us have ever been the person to like go out with, say, like a group of friends or our girlfriends and just not know 
where either our girlfriends went or not have any of our friends know where we went. So this storyline, obviously we, you know, kind of, we sort of wrap up this episode with kind of a kiss cliffhanger, a kiss hanger, I guess, (laughs) if you wanted to merge those together, (laughs) I'm apologizing for that already. Um, You know, Ross, like Ross is trying to contact her. Rachel contacts him. They finally get on the phone together, but Mark is there creating this, you know, confusion of, oh, Mark, Mark's there. Ross is like, I get it. And then all of a sudden they kiss, but then they're, you know, in, in bed the next morning, they've slept together. But when Ross and Chandler are kind of talking about it with, or, or Joey and Chandler are talking about with Ross, he's like, we thought you just like, when you disappeared, we just thought you went to go make up with Rachel, which I guess is what you should have done. But have you guys ever been those type of people to like disappear from a group of friends? Oh yeah. All the time. And we've lost track of people all no, no, never for a girl, always because we're just so drunk and fallen into oh, okay. or something. Just, just oh, okay. Um, <laughs> but but be, before before that, um, I think a really underplayed thing is what a villain Mark is, because he knew that it was Ross on the phone, and he knew that it wouldn't be helpful mm. for him to be heard in the background, and he kept on piping up. And I think that he is uh, a much more villainous character mm. than than is ever. I think that's because he about. sees Ross for who Ross is, and knows that he is wrong for Rachel, his friend. I mean, I think that that Ross was right all along to be suspicious of Mark's intentions. I think the two things can exist simultaneously. Hmm. But but Ross was perhaps not paranoid when he felt that he that Mark had ulterior motives. Well, but the paranoia extended to Rachel as well, who I think genuinely wasn't interested in Mark. Well, yes, but he thought that he was married to a straight woman who who then became a lesbian with a golf partner or gym buddy so Mm. he's 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 got reason to which i think in later episode like phoebe sort of says like she really screwed you up didn't she Mm. karen really screwed you up i think that's because this was the 90s when people didn't well i don't know was therapy in the u.s as much of a thing in the 90s as it is now because i think in the US, you're really quite open, and sort of the people go and talk to their therapist quite regularly in the US, which I think is a really good thing. Yeah. Was it that way in the 90s as well, or is this more recent? I think it's more recent because, and even now, I would argue that with maybe some of the older generation, there's still a stigma. They grew up in like only crazy people go to therapists. Like only Mm. like if you've got mental issues, you go talk to somebody about it. Um, But I think with, you know, maybe, maybe with the generation above plus millennials, plus, you know, 
I guess, Gen Z as they're, you know, growing up quickly too. I think we're much more open because we realize like trauma exists <laughs> and it's helpful to go talk to people about it. So I would say that obviously people would go to therapy, but it wouldn't be, it wasn't widely accepted as a normal form of processing through things that are happening in your life. So I, I think Ross should take some advice from, um, there's this really good relationship um, coach called Will Smith, who in one song <laughs> says that girls might might wrong you and treat you bad, but don't take it on the next son. Mm. And I think that's uh, that's very that's the thing that Ross should have should have thought about because yes, Chris, I think you're right that Carol did mess him up, mm-hmm. but that is not Rachel's fault, and that is Ross's issue to deal with. Do you know why I got that wrong? Why? It's because I know a Ross who is married to a Karen. And oh, she's a lesbian. Uh, no, but um, oh. uh, when I first met them, I had to try very, very, very hard, firstly, to not call her Rachel, and <laughs> then not to call her Carol, which was even closer mm. to Karen. Mm. Yeah. And so I've, I've been able to reprogram my neuro-linguistic pathways mm. <laughs> to associate Ross with Karen mm. so as not to create um, any awkward moments mm-hmm. by calling her Rachel or Carol. <laughs> I think calling her Rachel would have been funny. I, I, I found it very, very funny whenever I yeah. said to Gemma that that's what I was going to do. Yeah. And she said, no, don't do that, please. So I think on the point of um, people going missing on nights mm-hmm. out, um, we have a friend of the podcast called Lawrence <laughs> who will nearly always on a night out just get way drunker than everybody else and mm-hmm. vanish. And it's got to the point that we don't even look for him now. <laughs> we just <laughs> assume that he'll turn up the next day. So one one time we were we'd all gone to... A city that we don't live in, and we we're staying in a hotel. Mm-hmm. And he just, I'm... at one point, just decided he, he'd had enough to drink and wanted to go go to bed. We didn't think to tell anybody, so he just went back on his own. And then another time, but uh, wait, wait. He... The funnier thing is that in order to save yourself fifty p, you had yeah. checked in your coat, yeah. his coat, yeah. <laughs> and he so... had, he'd retrieved his coat <laughs> retrieved and just left mine in there. Said that's not mine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I had to walk home in February in Hull in a t-shirt. So another time we'd um we'd been to the pub in Chris's hometown and we'd stayed out very late and we'd all been drinking since the afternoon, so we were all in an advanced state of refreshment. And uh he we we couldn't find him and we assumed he'd gone back to Chris's house and it was about two o'clock in the morning. So we went back to Chris's house and he wasn't there. And we tried calling him and couldn't get hold of him. And then we gave up and went to bed. And he returned home at about seven o'clock next morning because he'd found um, an upstairs in the pub that we were in. (laughs) And this upstairs had some sofas and he'd thought, well, it's nice and quiet up here. I'll just have a sit down for a minute. And then he just went to sleep. (laughs) So if I'd been out with Ross 
having sort of been in that situation before and he had disappeared, mm-hmm. I would have just carried on with my life. Mm-hmm. And I, I think, think it's understandable. I think Llewellyn and I just listened to too many true crime podcasts. Well, yeah, I was I was going to say, I think it's probably very different for women because you would Im- immediately assume, based on all of the evidence that mm-hmm. you've been presented with throughout your lives, that your friend had been raped or murdered, mm-hmm. which... Yes. Because of our male privilege isn't a thing that I think the worst that could happen to one of our friends is maybe they could have a fight and, and be punched and had gone right. fine. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, come so back I, with I like a black eye. That's a very different thing for women. And if, if a female friend had disappeared, then yeah. yes, I would be very worried about them and I wouldn't just, just kind of uh, go about my day. Yeah. Um... Well, when it's it's interesting to see, like in the um, in the playthrough of the next morning, when like Ross is in bed, he kind of wakes up. He sees that everything's like he's alone. There's no one in the room. Everything's quiet. He like kind of settles back into bed, and all of a sudden, she comes out of the bathroom because it's clear that she has just taken a shower and he sort of does this like he like pops up to attention in bed under you know the covers and is sort of realizing a bit bit rude well (laughs) 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 um okay well (laughs) um he he kind of goes into the kitchen. He you can tell he's like popping probably a few just like Tylenol or you know aspirin well, or Tylenol. whatever. I don't know. I don't what gets rid of headaches. I've always suffered through them. So it, yeah, it I, does I, sort fizzy, of fizzy, that... fizzy 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 make feel nice is what I have if I've got a really bad headache. Thing, yeah. Wait, what is it? It's, it's called fizzy fizzy make feel nice. And it's um, <laughs> makes feel nice. I love it's, it. It's uh, um, like really big lumps, like tablets of paracetamol. And you think, well, there's no way I can swallow that. That's silly. But you put it in water, mm. and it is effervescent, and it 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 dissolves into the water, and it's all fizzy with maybe bicarbonate of soda. Okay. And that's that's the best thing ever. But for some reason, me. I never keep it in the house. I just have to have boring paracetamol oh okay Um, it it sort of suggests that ross was very drunk the night before but we hadn't seen any evidence of that had we yeah it's really hard to distinguish that from his normal kind of hangdog expression it's Mm. it's really hard to like see a difference in his demeanor but then that's interesting because if he had been that drunk being Ross, you would think he would have used that as an excuse. That's true. So maybe he just maybe he just has a thing like when he wakes up, he can't remember anything for three or four minutes. And he just he's he's used to sort of having to just reset, get his bearings, find out where he is. Yeah. Um, yeah, but no, go ahead. So, Graham, uh, Tylenol is um, paracetamol. Oh, okay. It's just what is it is called in America. Oh, oh yeah. No. Sorry, I didn't realize that's what you were asking. <laughs> I would have 
look that yeah, up I'd for you. I'd never, never heard of it. Okay. I, I knew the word, but I didn't know what it meant. Okay, got yeah. it. Yeah, so he's like, he's like popping these pills, and he turned, he realizes he's got a message. We know it's from Rachel because she was, had been on the phone, you know, throughout the night calling to see if he was home yet. Shouting, what's up? <laughs> what's up? <laughs> and she says, hey, I feel really bad about everything that's happened. Like, I, I don't want to get back together over a phone call. I really want to see you. I just think this is stupid. Of course, I want to work on this and, and keep us and all the things. So I'm going to swing by work before eight or like by 830 on my way to work. And that's um, nuts in itself, isn't it? I mean, who goes to see someone before they've been to work? Okay, but at the same time, 8.30 is really not that early. I guess. Ross must me. live close I mean, to where oof. she works. Because mm-hmm. what was she expecting to happen? Because she must, she must have to get in for nine. That's what I, mean, I was thinking, like a, like a nine to five. I guess it does make sense, but... But she thought she'd have, what, ten minutes with him to, to make up? Yeah. But they live in New York. I mean, a lot of times the... The train rides themselves take forever. Yeah. Mm. She hasn't thought this through, has she? Not really. And she could have turned up with breakfast, couldn't she? She could have. Yeah, maybe like, maybe she was going in at like 9.30? I don't know. Yeah, a peace off- a peace picnic. Or maybe, maybe she had time off in Lou because she was there so late the previous day. Oh, like a late start. That's yeah, a great point. Yeah, couldn't it? Yeah. But then she was making the assumption that he would as well. That is true. Also true. true. Or so maybe being that... a museum, he starts later anyway. What time do museums open? There's just no way of knowing. Yeah. I mean, a thing that has occurred to me is why didn't she page him the night before? Because we know yeah. he's got a pager mm-hmm. um, from when Carol was pregnant. and uh... Maybe that was just a pregnancy pager. Ah, but we know that he still had a pager. Right. Um, the next episode when they need his help to, because um, they get they break down, well, they get locked out of the car and then the battery, no, not battery, they run out yes. of um, petrol. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we know that he's got a pager. Why didn't she page him? Well, because That's he was too true. drunk to read it. Well, no, like like earlier in the, the earlier in that night. Well, we don't. We need to. We need to establish a timeline, don't we? Or maybe time, she doesn't have his pager number, but but um, Chanda does. No, she would have his pager number, wouldn't she? Well, you yeah, would yeah. Especially if they're. I mean, they're dating. Plus, what's the first thing you do when you get something like that? Like you tell all of your friends who would need mm. it. I assume the battery must have run out. Because he called her from oh, the payphone in the bar, didn't he? he did. Or maybe he turned it off in a fit of rage. Because mm. he, as soon as he, as soon as he hung up that phone, he was on a warpath, wasn't he? Yeah. So he was, he was going to make some bad decisions, and he knew it. Yeah, he was feeling real bad for himself. That's for sure. He wanted to get something enlarged four hundred percent, didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he did. I don't think that was in his mind. I think he was just. Um, I think he was. You just think he was a, he upset was, and, and you a think bit lost. She took advantage. You think he's she, a victim? She definitely that initiated. That is so typical it. of you as a man. She definitely initiated um, the the 
the kiss. relationship, didn't she? Yeah, but he's a big boy. Yeah, but I don't think it was. I don't think it was his idea. I think no, he just but... thought, okay, th- this this idea has been suggested to me. But he went straight I'd like back that to her, idea. Didn't he? Yeah, yeah. I think playing on in Ross's very very slim defense. I think the idea of a girl wanting to have sex with him was such a rarity <laughs> that it but... probably just took him by surprise. But they were on they were on a break. Well, and then he had to think, thought, well, actually, this is um, this is a, a long term break. Hibbity dibbity with is, Mark. So, Mark has already yeah. come round. So I may as well have sex with photocopy girl. Um, would you like to know the voice of the youth? Because I was speaking to my 14-year-old niece uh, today. I and thought she you mentioned the, the, like the voice of the youth in the episode. I thought you were talking about. I know. I was I like, remember, what could he possibly? I couldn't be remember a about. youth speaking off camera. <laughs> no, no. So um, this is a fourteen-year-old who has watched Friends several times, hmm. and I said, "Okay, well, I, I'm going to have to speak about this later." Sure. Um, do you think? Uh, what do you think about that situation? And she said, "Well, they were definitely on a break." Mm-hmm. And I said, "Yeah, but is that?" Is that really the point? And she said, "Yeah, they were definitely on a break." And I said, "But, yeah. but even so, don't you think that Ross was in the wrong?" And she said, "No, not really." See, the youth are so promiscuous that <laughs> if he'd been fourteen in this in this day and age, he'd have he'd have had five different partners before he even woke up in the morning, wouldn't he? Well, because I, I, I'm not I sure see where about, you're coming from. I, I, I don't, I don't know that, that. I don't know that that. I don't know that that's quite right. No, it, but I think a, that there crazy I, thing to say. I think there's a difference between how you view the uh, the morals of hmm. it and what you might actions you might take yourself. However. Yeah. For someone who is fourteen, it was quite clear cut that um, mm. that Ross was not in the wrong at all. But she's very hormonal, so. But I said, but don't, but I, but don't you think that? Um, so he thought they'd broken up, but don't do you think that that was? But even so, do you think he should have done what he did? And she said, "Well, yeah, why not?" I think it'd be interesting if. You said it was your niece. Yeah. If your niece, if you were, if you would talk to her as if like it was one of her peers that she was interested in, and if they had done that to her, because then once it's it once it's a situation that you're in, you look at things very differently. Because I think if like say she was dating somebody and and he cheated, or what you know could, is a gray line of we were on a break we we. We're taking a break from us. Like we need some space. If then he went off and did that to her, would she feel the same way? Right. So I, I think we're going to have to wait several years for that sure. kind of answer. Yeah, I'm not expecting that to be a today conversation. <laughs> I, I mean, do you think it, do you think it would be ethical once once my niece is perhaps in a more serious relationship? Um to engineer it so mm. that she 
she breaks up with her partner. Yeah. And then they and straight what, you, away. And what you dress as a woman and seduce him? What, <laughs> where are you going with this? Well, well, I, I think in the fairness of of trying to definitively answer it's that question. Yeah. Yeah. Don't think there is any other choice but to wait, <laughs> to wait for, until my niece is in a in a when she's maybe at university um and is is in a in a serious relationship to somehow engineer a situation mm. whereby she says we should have a break that her boyfriend is very upset for some reason yeah. he his mobile phone isn't working he's only got a pager and he's not right. answering. <laughs> um, and he phones because he tries to make up and there's there's a there's another person that he's suspicious about who is there and also just shouting played in the by background. you in a different costume <laughs> <laughs> yeah and then i go like as mrs doubtfire and, right right um seduce him based on our mutual love of enlarging photocopies yeah. <laughs> and then she she then wants to get back together with this person right and then she finds out and then i pop up from behind the sofa and say what do you think now <laughs> you told me you, you said it was, was fine. okay five years ago what do you think mm. now ha <laughs> <laughs> I can't see any alternative. Yeah, I think it's a very clear answer. You're on a path now. <laughs> okay. Um how how big is like the, the, the Patreon funds for the One with Friends podcast? Because this this kind of project could take a significant of amount of resources because I'm I'm gonna have to go into hiding. I'm probably gonna have to have a certain amount of cosmetic surgery. surgery. You might have to fake your um, death. Because I might have to say, fake my... Uncle Chris, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Um, right Her response now... might be a little bit confused. Like, I say, ha, do, do you still agree? And she'll say, what? I say, what? Chris, I thought, I thought you would died in that, that, that car car train accident. Um, I go, ha, ha, do you still agree? And she'll have no idea what I'm talking <laughs> your about. Your friend Graham spoke at your funeral. <laughs> Was he on honest? Yeah, it's real. It's real intricate here, isn't it? Yeah. Um, we don't have a large existent Patreon. Um, right now, our lovely mutual friend Beth is really our only, the only one that believes in us. I think. <laughs> well. Yeah, I know you're going to have to say you're going to have to up your contribution to <laughs> several thousand pounds a month because <laughs> Chris has got we, a whole gonna, life he's going to have to lead. We're going to have to take a deep dive into this. He's going to have to fake his death in a couple of years' time, and then go She'll into be... hiding, and then do She'll extensive and do really extensive plastic surgery mm-hmm. because. Mm-hmm. In five years' time, he's going to be forty-four, and but he's is... going to have to seduce like oh, a twenty-year-old, a twenty-year-old, um, uh, probably heterosexual right. cis male. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that's that's going to be a stretch. I think if you bleach your hair, you'll be okay. Mm, I mean, 
the yeah. problem with the plastic surgery is if it's too extensive, then when you pop out and say, how do you like it now? <laughs> the first thing she's going to shout is, who are you? Who are you? So it's going to have to be done more like Mrs. Doubtfire, that it's all just like prosthetics. The... Yes. Because then I can tear right. off... I can you tear can off, off the Mrs. Mask. Doubtfire face yeah. that, right. that was good enough and sexy enough to seduce her boyfriend that is temporarily on a I break. maybe Mrs. Doubtfire the... isn't the reference point you should be using. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's awkward you say that because that was the accent I was going to use. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hello, dear. <laughs> Human can resist, I suppose. Do you, do you like the photocopies? I also think that faking your death isn't going to help because I think she'd be so overwhelmed by realising that Uncle Chris isn't dead after all. I think you're going to have to lead a double life. Yeah, I think so too. So uh, you're not going to have time for that with your current job. So the Patreon fund is going to have to cover your salary for at least six years. <laughs> Okay. Which luckily, as a public sector worker in the UK, is very, very small. <laughs> so, well, I am a locum. That does. That oh, does okay. Oh, you're well, in my favour. We're, we're in trouble but now. I'm, we're going to have to. I'm screwed on the pension. Um, yeah. But, <laughs> oh, no. So, so, what is this double life going to entail? I'm going to have to start working as like a sexy librarian. Mm-hmm. Um, on, what, at the what, university why? that I think, so I've got a cover story for 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 meeting meeting and my niece's future. Say, I want this book to be four hundred percent bigger. <laughs> it has to be a Xerox shop, or it's not a it's not a controlled experiment. <laughs> right. Okay. So what we're going to have to do is we're going to have to predict with great accuracy which university my niece is going to go to or somehow engineer it so she goes to a university of our choosing i think i then need to predict i don't know why you can't just boyfriend is going to be is going to be in so that i can get a job on the admin staff of his course Chris, I think you're complicating this a lot. I don't think you have to start... I can't think of any simpler way. I don't think you have to... (laughs) I don't think you have to start second lifing until she's actually got the boyfriend and then you become someone... Well, I I think that you can't... I think the boyfriend is too much of a variable. I think you need to plant somebody in that role. Mm. I'm not comfortable doing that. No. (laughs) (laughs) That seems wrong you to need me. to befriend another fourteen-year-old boy who's going to be interested in this. In this, life <laughs> all of your plans you where I have him. to befriend fourteen-year-old boys, I'm very uncomfortable with. <laughs> <laughs> well, you you just have to say, befriend a fourteen-year-old boy and convince him to to get into a relationship with your cousin. That's n- my niece. No, your niece. Sorry, <laughs> that's even worse. Getting complicated. Yeah. I'm increasingly I mean, uncomfortable about this. And it's it's so far too I'm, inappropriate for me to suggest that we use our useful idiot friend, Dan, <laughs> because of the age difference. I, but maybe she could have a celibate relationship with him. No, I don't like work. this at all. Uh, no, I'm happy to discuss a hypothetical situation <laughs> when my niece is 19, whereby yeah. we engineer circumstances to put her in Rachel's situation. 
and I'm fine with that. T- pimping her out. Um, what? No, no. I, you're less I'm, com- no, you're less comfortable with that as a as a solution. I'm not. I'm not comfortable saying? with engineering yeah. uh, a relationship, albeit celibate, with Daniel right now. <laughs> I think that's absolutely fair. <laughs> he's so, he, I do, he's a good catch. I I do. Would you not want him in your family? I'd like him in my family as as my husband. Uh, yeah, fair enough. And he just won't. He just won't sign. You know, he just won't seal the deal, will he? Yeah, rude. He's rude. Okay. Maybe now I've got a robotic vacuum cleaner. He would. You would agree to it. Mm. That could be the missing piece. It could be the missing piece, yeah. Maybe I should so... Mrs. Doubtfire him. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then seduce him. And then what see how see how he liked I don't I don't understand how that would help. Well if I were to Mrs. Doubtfire Daniel, then um I would just try and keep that relationship going as long as possible. Him mm. thinking that I was a lovely old Scottish lady. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I'd say I had to visit my my cousin in Arbroath to come back yeah. here to maintain my double life here with my with my wife. <laughs> I think she'd understand. I think she'd be happy to say, so what are you doing? Just second you out. Well, after lockdown, where I've just been here all the time, I think she would probably yeah. quite like it if I mysteriously disappeared for several weeks and, at a time. And married a, another man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And she doesn't like it when I do accents here. So I think if she felt I could get it out of my system whilst, yeah. whilst being married to Daniel, pretending to be a, a older Scottish mm. lady. Yeah. In an also think... celibate relationship. Oh uh, what? Why? Why is my relationship with Daniel celibate? Because it's a relationship with Daniel. Right. <laughs> I do think oh. that you're right in framing the whole "we're on a break" argument in that way because they focus so much on him shouting "we were on a break" mm-hmm. when that is un- undisputable. But it's, it's such a simple point. comeback to say, "Yeah, but that doesn't make it okay." And any right-thinking person would say, mm, "Yeah, they've got a point there, Ross. You were being a real dick." But the youth, the youth of today, um, is on Ross's well, side. W- one youth. No, it's not a no. Good she speaks. Size. She speaks for for the whole youth. Oh, okay. All the youths. For all the youths, yeah, they're like um, the Borg. <clears throat> I speak with one voice. I feel like they actually did a really great job within the argument that essentially takes up half, if not more, of, you know, this specific episode. They they had a couple different, I guess, ways of explaining and, and talking through the how are we in the situation. Um, at one point, Ross is saying that their definitions of break mean two different things. Rachel is like a break, but we're ultimately like still working through things. Whereas Ross's definition was that means we're broken up. And that means like, I'm free of any of the obligations to what you would say is a closed relationship. They talk about, um, 
Like, you know me, you know my character. If I didn't think you weren't out with Mark, you know that I wouldn't have done something like this. So it's more of Ross defending or trying to bring up and, you know, stakehold his claim to the fact that his character is, it's all about Rachel. Do you really think that if I didn't think that you were sleeping with Mark at the same time, I would have slept with someone else? So they a lot of victim blaming there, isn't it? Y- yeah. Well, and Ross isn't. Wait, wait. Yeah. Um, um, isn't Ross the victim? No, R- Ross <laughs> paints himself as the victim. <laughs> well, maybe he's right. <laughs> but he isn't. But but like but what was Mark doing there? Come on. Yeah. Correct. Correct. Yeah, correct. it's definitely a sticky. Uh, it's definitely a sticky like situation um mark comes over they have chinese food nothing untoward happens but ross calls at like the most inconvenient time i will concede that mark being there wasn't helpful for the situation oh for, for yeah. Ross to say that that is the cause of it and and is, also, uh... also his his actions did mm-hmm. not help well i think his actions were the cause of it yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's almost like you could probably pivot the entirety of where things went wrong, not on the fact that they were or were not on a break and whatever their definition of a break was, but the fact that when Ross called, Mark very clearly was in the background. And Mm -hmm. Rachel also tried to hide because she Um, knew how Ross felt about Mark being there. I think all Rachel needs to say is, okay, you thought we were broken up. If I also thought we were broken up, but you immediately went out and slept with somebody that same day, you're not really somebody I want to be in a relationship with. And that shuts the whole thing down. (laughs) She just has to say, yeah, fair enough. We were on a break. And you're the sort of person who goes out and does that immediately. I don't, don't like you. And I think that's hard to come back from, isn't it? Especially in a comedic way. Right. Yeah, of course. I mean that's basically the that's basically the crux of it, isn't it? That um so what if you thought we'd broken up? Why why if you thought we'd broken up, did you just immediately go and do that? Mm -hmm. Why did you think that that was you know it was free for all? And I think the answer is he was just just very upset. He was just a, a bad person. (laughs) yeah well and just to feel like i feel like that would make you feel better that someone is interested in you it's it's you know covering up for just a moment xerox girl i'm flattered i think maybe i need some more distance from a relationship but maybe totally to get together sometime soon and we could talk about dinosaur photocopies that that's not too difficult to say, is it? Yeah, take well, like a proper day. If you're very drunk, <laughs> but yeah. and I mean, Ross had had maybe three bottles of beer, which is yeah, maybe very drunk. By now, this is the thing I I get from um, TikTok, which you you could tell me is is incorrect, but that the standards for drunkenness seem quite different in Europe and America. 
I think you know, Britain I was and America. really, really drunk because I'd had three, three beers, and and mm. in the UK it's like, oh, I have three beers before I left. I did some preloading. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we have a healthy relationship with alcohol in this country, though. Uh, no, I think that's correct. It's a fun one, though, isn't it? It's, it is fun. I'm not sure. I'm, I guess, yeah, I don't, I'm not sure any one country has like a really great relationship with alcohol. I think Italy does. Yeah, I think, I okay. think, um, I think, yeah, I get, okay, cool. You're right. Southern Europeans are more they chill about get, it. They don't get drunk and, and urinate on well they do but everyone everyone that's what they do when they're sober so it's fine <laughs> yeah <laughs> i think southern europeans it's i i think they're they're yeah i i think they just get tipsy and they're just happy with that and then they go to sleep you're probably right yep yeah i would say that that is not america we... But I mean, do, our our view that um, that those standards are there is is that correct, or or really are Americans secretly secretly drinking until they they pass out and vomit, but you don't you don't film that and put it on your television because like in the UK we have shows mm. like Booze Britain, <laughs> which is just just uh, groups of people drinking until they pass out with mm. a film crew. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> We're like, yeah, yeah, this this is this is our culture. Interesting. I don't think we advertise it that way, but I also don't think it only takes three, you know, five percent beers for people to get all out of sorts either. I just don't know if it's something that we necessarily well, that's put out there that, as like that... this is what we do. Yeah, and may I think I think a lot of I think a lot of what the rest of the world thinks of America is based on American teen comedies, mm. which are perhaps um, not accurate because they need to be PG or 15 rated in order to be commercially viable. Mm -hmm. So the, the accuracy of how much is drunk and then what happens is not there. But anyway, how yeah. drunk was Ross? I think that, that should have been the runner, shouldn't it? For the next four seasons, he should have just been shouting, I was I drunk. I was really drunk. <laughs> <laughs> that's an excuse for any suboptimal behaviour. Yeah. I think if this had been a UK um, TV show, mm -hmm. I think that would have been his leading argument. I don't think he would have said correct, yeah. I was on a break. I think he'd have said it didn't. I was just really, really pissed. Or he mm. might have just said it was Bantz. because that <laughs> absolves you from all responsibility. Do you, have you, do you do you know the law of Bantz? No, no. So Bantz is short for banter, which it means if I was to say something very hurtful to Chris now, mm -hmm. I could just shout. It was just Bantz. 
because that means it was just banter. It was just me banter. Okay. playfully really hurting his feelings. And it doesn't mm. stop him from being upset, but it means that he also then feels guilty for it. It removes my right to be upset. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. So Because perhaps... it's just done in like it's just done in like jest is what you're exactly. saying. Well okay. yeah, exactly. you, that's the claim. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. So, so Ross would say something just really hurtful. It was just bands. And then say just yeah. bands. Just bands. <laughs> and then and then if I get upset, I'm being unreasonable. Yeah. Mm. Okay. It's, legally mm. it's a very clever tactic. <laughs> Yeah, the Bance Clause. If he'd just yeah. invoked that Bance Clause. <laughs> and that's why Friends could never work as a UK sitcom. Yeah. Well, because they'd, they'd have to he adapt would have it. been and too drunk it. to have done anything with the, the lady anyway. Because <laughs> if he thought he was on a break, he would have immediately drunk a half a bottle of whiskey mm. by, by some bins. Mm. Um, and then he wouldn't have been able to, as, as Chris says, pop up in bed. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> secondly, instead of shouting, we're on a break, he would just shout, it was just Bance. And everyone would have said to Rachel, come on, mate, fair play. He, it was just Bance. Mm. And she would have had to suck it up. <laughs> <laughs> and then all those negative feelings and sadness, she would have had to just push them down push inside. Aside. Yeah. And, uh, and just, just get on with it. I would say that I agree with Chris to the degree of. What? Hang on. Why That's do you agree a ludicrous with me? position to take. <laughs> with um you had mentioned that you don't think it was Ross's actual intention to like go off and sleep with someone. Um Oh yeah, I just think I just think when when that was uh, uh, that when that happened, he just thought, "Oh okay." Yeah. He was just so amazed that that was a a potential thing that could happen. Yeah, so it's really the how many, you know, like, was Ross drunk? Did he have only a couple of beers? Like, I think regardless of that argument, it's like, she just made herself available and didn't have any morals. I mean, at one point she was like, what, are you married? I mean, that's okay, too. She she yeah, was think, on the hunt. She's and, the type of lady that your mom warns you about. Yeah. And, and Ross was... never, ever meet. <laughs> that's so true. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, Ross should have uh, that should have been some serious red flags. But where were where were Chandler and Joey at this point? Because I know they were bored by her incessant banging on about photocopies, but they they vanished really, didn't they? You think that they would have seen her leave with Ross? Not necessarily, but they I mean, and the, had they, they already left that, by well, that point? We've got to escape because we we just don't want to talk about photocopying anymore. Had they gone to find another lady to to try their threesome skills with? I don't I don't know. Were they just really into the band? Because Isaac's band were probably great. You think what what kind of band do you think Isaac's band were? I think a kind of um, reggae hard house infusion. Hmm. Based but on, I think they like, would have been like by... Jamiroquai. Yeah, maybe. No, because that would be awful. Um, what about like um, Eagle Eye Cherry? Um, he had that one song, didn't he? There might have even been a second song. Yeah, but we don't talk about that. But I, I uh, know, I, I think. Um, uh, hmm. 
No, I mean, I'm, I'm going to double down. I think it would have been Jamiroquai. Okay, but if the band had been better, then maybe Ross would have been more distracted by them than by the girl. Mm. So maybe it's the band's fault. Maybe. I think. <laughs> I think it's. I, I think it's Ross's fault. Yeah. But I don't think we should blame him. <laughs> that's that. That's the. That's a position I've just decided upon, without yeah. without en- without realizing that that's what I thought. But See, the now I is, there's nothing you can do to remove remove me from this. The problem it's, with it's you his fault, is you're but always, he's not to blame. You're always focusing on how all humans are fundamentally flawed and nuanced, and that doesn't really play well with me. Who wants to, Ross was a bad egg in this situation, mm-hmm. and you can either be a good egg or a bad egg. <laughs> there's no in between, and Ross was a bad egg. I don't think he was. I think he well, was he, a. I've, I think I've he was an upset was. egg. I no. think he was a drunk egg, and I think he was an egg that might have made a bad decision. Mm-hmm. And do you think all of those things make him a good egg? I think that those things do not make him a bad egg. That's not what I asked. <laughs> so, so I, I think, think Joey and that, Chandler um, have been bad friends here because I think they should have seen what was happening. And they should have taken Ross to one side and said, you are about to make a very bad decision. We are taking you home. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what's interesting is later on when they, when they're talking to Ross about the whole situation and they're talking to him about, you know, you've got to find the trail. It's like, they make it seem like bad advice. They make it seem like Ross disappeared. Yeah, exactly. When actually they were the ones who'd, who'd Who'd bailed. Where'd they go? Yeah. Yeah. I think they went to get some falafel. Because you can do that in in New York, can't (laughs) you? New York. Falafel from. uh, Maybe they'd heard about this uh, this new giant couscous and thought, (laughs) wow. I cannot believe that. Yeah. But they, they gave him bad advice, but as his friends, the only advice they could have possibly given. Well, this is the thing: is that, that do you think that the the um, the 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 act of being um, I don't think unfaithful is quite the right word because he was on a break and he had thought they'd broken up. Mm-hmm. But but do you think that that what he did was worse than trying to cover it up? I think what he did was worse. But the covering up made that even worse. Yeah. And do you but... think it would have been better if, when Rachel came around, um, he'd have just opened the door and said, "Ah, oh, hi, Rachel. This is my new friend. It's <laughs> just leaving." Because <laughs> she was cross that she was there, wasn't she? So what? I mean, what did she expect? Yeah. Maybe he could have. I think it was the, o- the, or something. the overlap. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he should have been up front at that point and said, "Follow logic, does it?" Hang on a minute. We're still on a break until this young lady has left. Right. As soon as she's off the premises, break is over, and we can resume our loving relationship. <laughs> I cannot. I cannot end the break we're on at the moment because yeah. there is another woman in my <laughs> flat. Yeah, and I don't want to get caught out on a technicality. Right. So I and would like to have... 
yeah. escort her off the premises before we get back together. And she wouldn't have liked that, but by her own admission, she would have had to accept it. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was, I think it's, the lie itself is what got, it is what made it convoluted, I think. I don't, I think they, I think he should have been more honest because it's always, it's always when you find out that they've lied about it, it it always exasperates an issue. Because he could have just said, oh, this lady took advantage of me. Rachel, defend me. <laughs> and maybe it would have been not okay, but... So thinking in, in Ross's situation that he's going to tell the truth, mm-hmm. does he actually have the opportunity to tell the truth? Like, uh, at that very well, point in time... He could say, yes, I would like to get back together, but before we do that, um, I th- this I think is not what's a... happened. I don't think you could do it then, but I think you would maybe need to like say later that day. But he then doesn't actually get the opportunity because of well, the Well, he doesn't, he doesn't the get trail. the opportunity because he has gone to cover up the trail instead. Around. If he had gone straight to Rachel, perhaps she would have been more... Forgiving, not forgiving, but maybe she would have said, "Well, you haven't made it worse by trying to cover it up, at least." Yeah, but I, yeah, I mean, I think that he wasted valuable groveling time, didn't he? Hmm. Okay. Perhaps a better thing he could have done would be to have said, "Don't, please, don't say anything," because I need to be the one that to tell her. her. Yeah, and that that I think been... if she'd have overheard him saying that to Gunther. And that would mm. be less bad. I but, think the rage was already there. Yeah. And how do you I don't know why her? he wouldn't have told the girl. I mean, Rachel, logistically, Rachel would have had to leave his apartment to go to work, and she would have still been behind the door. So he could have squashed it right there and be like, you can't tell anybody about this. About that. Had oh, yeah, it, that he, he hadn't uh, just hadn't occurred to him. Yeah, I guess it uh, was Joey and Chandler that brought it up. The trail, yeah. So yeah. really, it's did Ross's he call in sick to work not... or what? I don't. Because yeah, surely he should have been at work day. at this point. Yeah, well, maybe. and Rachel just sitting in the cafe. Maybe she was on her lunch break. Maybe. Really, though, it is. It's. It is Ross's fault for not uh, have being more practiced at. Um, at adultery and deception. <laughs> oh, yeah. no. Had he... Uh, no. Had he actually practiced being unfaithful, <laughs> oh, he would have God. known on the morning to say, please don't say anything about this, not even to not even to that weird guy that you work with, because I want to shut down the trail before it even starts. Yeah. And also, how incestuous is this city that his sister works with Phoebe and lives with Gunther? I mean, that's I know quite New York small is a circle, really pretty place, though, isn't it? Phoebe's it's a pretty not, short it's not trail. A village, is it? Yeah, it's yeah. a short trail for sure. Yeah, I've I've heard that that when they call it New York City, it's kind of like a like an in joke. It's ironic, and when they say village, that's more accurate. Oh, because there's it's only 50 people living there. only 50 people living there, yeah. yeah. Okay. Famously, it's tiny. Yeah. 
because it's new. Anything that's new is kind of they're still trying to get up and running. Right. Mm. So it's a really it's a really very small place. There's only one coffee yeah. shop, for example. Yes, that's true. Yeah. Well, no. Well, no, because in the next one they say there's another coffee shop and it's really close by, and <laughs> then they say what closer than here. <laughs> That's another that's another in joke that if you actually yeah. had been to New York, you would know that there is only one coffee shop famously. Oh, I see. Um, and they're joking. And like, the next nearest coffee, coffee, shop coffee shop is actually in Canada. Um, <laughs> yeah. So it really is not close. <laughs> that's why it gets a big laugh, because everybody knows oh, now there's only one. So when they have the big argument, mm-hmm. there's one moment that I thought got a very small laugh from the audience. Mm. And I think it deserved a lot more when she said, where were you trying to put it in her purse? <laughs> that made me properly laugh out loud when I watched that again. Uh, and of course, the friends are in the other room and Phoebe being, you know, Phoebe is like, where did yeah. he put it? <laughs> yeah. Okay, so that was a fun episode. And we did give you more Ross and Rachel content, as promised. And we do apologize, although I'm not sure I'd say we apologize, because I think you all are well aware that Ross and Rachel are not Leanne and I's favorite, but we digress. And we did have a good time talking to Two Star about this and getting their input on the whole situation. So we do have one more surprise with you, because our conversation with Two Star didn't just last two hours. No, friends. It lasted three hours. So next week, we will conclude our conversation with Graham and Chris from Two Star Podcast for you guys, so you do not want to miss it. And we will catch you guys next week on the One with Friends Podcast. <laughs>